I call it housework. Cause it's light work. I'ma throw shapes, filling the base to my feet hurt. I call it housework. Cause it's light work. But I'ma throw shade if I don't get paid for this housework. I call it housework. Cause it's light work. I'ma throw shapes, filling the base to my feet hurt. Welcome in, you are listening to another episode of keepthechange.co.nz's podcast. Mikey, good to see you again, mate. Mortgage broker here, come to talk about why it's not a good time to buy a house, eh? Oh, (laughs) shit. Shit. (laughs) Call it light work, eh? Let's get started then. What's the bloody go there? I think we just got to look at the data of everything, right? The data. The data, yeah. Um... You know, I'm I'm a, a massive fan of people that want to buy houses for the right reasons, and the ones that are buying for the right reasons are normally to live in them and enjoy. And but you know, build a family. Ninety nine percent of New Zealanders like speculating them because they're financial assets. So yeah. Um, and I've, I've got nothing against it, mate. I'm all for the free market. I love capitalism. Go hard if you can make a buck. Yeah. But I don't think there's much of a dollar to be made at the moment. That's all. Gotcha. So in this pod, what we're going to do is we're going to take you back through, we, we did this really quickly in a podcast recently about some of the tax rules that have made property quite um, favourable in the past. Yes, and, yeah. and I pointed them out to you off making, you said, imagine if some of those changes to the tax rules mm. were done towards investing in main freight, for instance, the yeah. share price would go, yeah, but slowly we've introduced these changes, but nothing much has happened. So... Uh, I got into accounting. I'm actually going to go to my LinkedIn profile and figure out when my first job was in public practice because my first role was in uh, as an auditor, so I wasn't really... Oh, that sounds punishing. Oh, God, mate. I won't <laughs> even get started. So I wasn't really doing um, general taxes and stuff like that, but in my first role outside of that, I was, and that was in 2011 that I started. Now, when I first started, you could have a rental property, and if you have a rental property, it's effectively a business. So if you rent it out for, say, 52 weeks at 100 bucks a week, 5200 bucks of rental income, but obviously it's more than that, but then you would have expenses. So you'd have your interest on your mortgage, you'd have your rates, you'd have some repairs, and, and then at, at that stage, you could depreciate your buildings uh, of your property. So what that would mean is that, say, your property was worth a couple hundred thousand, you could depreciate it. I can't remember what the percentage was, but let's just say it was 2%. Basically, you would have an expense on your profit and loss, so your income minus your expenses of $4,000 for depreciation. Now, depreciation usually is a expense to recognize the fact that your your asset is decreasing in price, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense in business or when you buy a vehicle or when you buy a camera or a computer or a phone. The value starts to decrease because you use it and they become worthless because even if you go to sell it, someone's like, fuck, I don't want your your iPhone 9, you dickhead. <laughs> yeah, you know, the 13's worth, out. worth zero. So it's recognizing the decrease in that. And I always thought, this is weird because my dad always taught me, son, property prices double every 10 years. And I was like, why the fuck are we allowed to add depreciation on them? Mm. And then I learned that, okay, the tax rules usually are designed to ensure that people invest 
capital towards doing things that need to be done. So it was sort of incentivizing people to have rental properties so that people would maybe go and have another one. Now, why this is important is because if we have our $5,200 of rental income, then we take off all of those expenses. By the time we take off our depreciation, we're already nearly at a loss. And then we take off uh, some home office expenses. We've, we've bloody travelled there as well, haven't we, to go and make sure that it's all good and do a quarterly Fuel inspection. Fuel in the lawnmower to mow the lawns, mate. There it is, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this rental property is actually costing us $10,000 a year to run. And we're thinking, shit, okay, well, most some people would think, oh, you're losing money. But people would know, oh, Sonny Jim, I'm not losing money because I'll, I'll make it back when I sell it. <laughs> so then what they would do is they would get the loss from their rental and it would go into their personal tax returns to say they were on seventy grand of income income and they were paying tax on that. Well, they should have really only been paying tax on 60 grand of income because they've had their $70,000 of PAY income minus $10,000 of expenses from the loss on their rental property. Uh, and then they can only have to pay tax on the 60000 So that was sort of the environment I walked into. Mm-hmm. I thought, fuck, no wonder some of these clients are always asking about, oh, mate, uh, can I talk to you about getting a rental property? I'm like, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, well, as, as, uh, and then... Banks became to love them as security, as yep. collateral, so you were allowed to take loans on them. Um, at that time when that was happening, you know, we were probably looking at, um, you know, a single average income could buy a house back then. Now it's two. Well, now it's, you know, it was four or five times income back then. Yeah. Now, due to the leverage in the system, it's, you know, eight, nine, ten times annual income because we've just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing Shit. it. To the but the incentives point. were there to do it, right? Mm. So you're incentivized to do this. Even if you if you had told me about all of that back then with what I know, I would have gone hammer and tongs. Yeah. And just rinsed it. Because all of those rules sound glorious compared to what we're dealing with today. Yeah. Yeah. So this is ten years ago now for people that are listening. You know, two thousand eleven. I don't have much understanding prior to that because I wasn't really uh deep into it. But there was also um, there was some weird structure where people would almost rent back their house from themselves or something like that that was real dodgy back in the day too. But we won't even go there. But people would have what was called a loss-attributing qualifying company, an LAQC. Uh, and so often a, a couple would buy a property, a rental property, and then they would put the losses into both of their tax returns. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they would try and weave it so the loss was all going into uh, the, the person who... The higher earner or whatever. Yeah, yeah. the higher yeah. earner. Now, where, where it got even more crook is that people would go, they would say, Luke, have you, have you done my tax return? Because I want to get my refund from my rental. And I'd be like, fuck, mate, you're a property owner. Why are you in so much of a hurry for this cash? <laughs> and they would go and get their refund, and they would go and uh, repair their their property. A new expense. A new expense. Yeah. To then add to the next year, to then <laughs> increase the losses as well. And then really these repairs were, oh, well, you know, we've had to, re- you know, we got some advice we needed to paint it, you see. So we've put our refund towards repairing the, the paint on it. And it's, I haven't changed or improved the property. I've just merely repaired what was already there. <laughs> or I've had to <laughs> repair the fireplace, but the fireplace that I used to have uh, isn't there anymore. But I've had to repair it and replace it with this one. But I haven't improved it. I've just repaired it. Oh, okay. So then we'll be claiming that as an expense in that next year. Um and then, obviously, what people would do is they'd then go and sell their property eventually and be like, oh, geez, you've fucking done a bit of work to this rental property. No, 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 we haven't really. We've just repaired a few things, you see. You want to keep the, you want to you be careful with the words you use. And then you would sell this property and naturally house prices would, as my dad would say, would go up every 10 years, they'd double. So you would sell it and you would use that, those proceeds to 
do whatever the fuck you wanted with them or maybe pay down the debt in your own personal property. Yeah. Crazy, what a eh? bloody awesome Ponzi. Yeah. <laughs> you know? How good. And, you know, the, the doubling every 10 years, if you go look at a, a historical interest rate chart, it comes down to there's a pretty clear correlation with interest rates falling over time. Yeah. Um, which means that debt becomes more serviceable based on the same or slightly increasing income over time. Um, so you can go and borrow more because it's, you know, the same repayment for $100,000 more lending when they fall. Yeah. And that just gets loaded into the house value. Mm. Um, and the nominal house values ended up at average of $1.2 million across Auckland. And you would, in this time as well, you would try and have all of your rental or all of your debt for both properties, you'd try and have all of it under the rental property. Yep. If the bank so, could weave it that so, way. So back then, everything is everything is set up beautifully, right? We've got all these tax incentives, yeah. carrying losses forward, affordable homes based on incomes in terms of multiples, falling interest rates. Yes. Could even buy another one. Might so, get a third. So what do we have now? So fast forward to, let's get to 2015 uh, to start with, but... In 2015, or just on that too, because I know some of you actually love your property and you think that I'm always mugging you off, but hey, full credit to you, if that's your thing, it bores the shit out of me, but um, you can still claim depreciation on your chattels. So if you do have a rental property, it's often worthwhile getting the chattels valued because you can depreciate those, but you can't depreciate the building. And that can be like, what is that, like your oven and your Yeah, all sorts of shit. You might have provided the white wear, um, you know, and, and all those different types of things. So... Yeah, I don't come and ask me for advice because <laughs> I will bloody fall asleep on the phone. But I've got people you can speak to in that property space. Uh, we do this for clients where rentals are secondary to what they're doing for business, but um, they're people that specialise in this stuff and help people keep their, their tax bill down on the property side of things. But that, that loophole or, it's not really a loophole, it's just the law at the time. Mm-hmm. The law changed and they, they slowly looked to get away with that uh, away from that. So they said, no, you can't depreciate your house anymore. Who were we fucking kidding? House prices by that stage have been going up for 30 years Um, so you know because also the piece too what happens is when you sold your property there's a thing called depreciation recovered so if you if your building was if your house was increasing in value and you've been claiming it that it had been decreasing through depreciation you have to pay that back as a profit yes smart spot on yeah, so there were all sorts of convenient ways when people would go to sell their house that they were trying to, uh, you know, value it and do oh, these different things. You know, yeah, do a little or, deal on the side for the extra four hundred here, mate. Yeah. yeah, or you know, we won't, we won't, you know, we won't, uh, yeah, we won't be selling this. We'll hold on to this one because we've claimed all the depreciation and we'll move it into this entity and all these different things. So, anyway, fast forward to twenty fifteen, the Brightline Property Rule uh, was sort of introduced for the first time, and it's been amended a couple of times since then. It sets out to tax property investors who buy and sell residential property within the time frame set out in the Brightline Property Rule. So this was effectively a crack at having a a capital gains tax without calling it a capital gains tax. So it was saying if you buy a property and then resell it within two years, mm-hmm. we're going to tax you if you make a gain. Yep. And that was obviously fucking stupid because the reason people buy property is to hold on to it to reap the capital gain, right? Yep. So I wasn't part of that working group, but I'm sure the people that were are still getting paid six figures to do some piss week work <laughs> uh, elsewhere. So that was between October... Uh, 2015 and 28th of March 2018, subject to a two-year bright line period. And then between 28th of March 2018, 26th of March 2021, they changed it to a five-year bright line. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you sold this, they're like, oh, shit, well, that didn't really do anything, did it? Let's change it to five years. I know, that'll work. (laughs) But what did my dad teach me? It doubles every 10 years. So I wasn't (laughs) buying it to fucking sell in the next five years. 
So then in March 2021, they said, well, let's change the bright line to a 10-year period. So if you buy a rental property and then you sell it within 10 years then and make a profit on it, then you're going to need to pay tax on that profit. Probably starting to get more effective. Mm, yeah, 10 yep. years. So now dad's theory are starting to get tested. You know, They <laughs> might, probably should have got my dad to bloody help out writing <laughs> these fucking rules. Um, but also what happened as well, so here's another change. So... Then they started saying, well, actually, so we got rid of, at this stage, we're starting to say, look, if you're going to buy and sell property, you're going to pay tax on that through this bright line regime, and we're not going to let you claim depreciation anymore. And then they said, well, actually, this is starting to take the piss a little bit. These people that are running up losses in these rental properties, let's not let them put them into their tax return. And this was called ring fencing of rental losses. So that was where, at the start, we talked about having a loss in our rental. Putting it against your personal income. So yeah. if you make 70, you only pay tax on 60. Yep, we can't do that can't anymore. Do that. We say, yep. look, you can have those losses, but they're going to carry forward to a year in which you're going to start making a profit on this rental property. And so people got a bit pissy about that because I thought, well, fuck, you're, just, you're poking a pin into the Ponzi that's been blowing up so well. <laughs> you assholes. Um, so that was from the 2019 to the twenty. 20 income year, new ring fencing rules mean people cannot use rental losses to offset other income like salaries and wages. And then in 2021, um, they've basically said, so this was middle of COVID by this stage, right? I think it was mm-hmm. the first, no, it must have been a year on from when COVID first kind of kicked off. Residential rental property purchased on or after 27th of March 2021. Interest cannot be claimed as an expense from the 1st of Octo- October 2021 unless an exclusion or exemption applies. And if you actually want to know more about this, you need to look into what those exclusions and exemptions are. They're around new builds and things like that. Now, if you had a rental already and you acquired it before the 27th of March 2021, the ability to deduct interest on existing loans is being phased out over four years. So this year, we've been doing sets of accounts for people, and if they've got a rental property... 75%. Yeah, we've had to strip out 25% of the interest, which is now non-deductible. So they're still getting these losses, but they go into their tax return and they get carried forward. So they don't decrease their tax. They're not getting these um, refunds anymore to spend on repairs. I reckon this is the the biggest one that is... Mm. It was talked about, and the media got hold of it, but when it was happening, interest rates were 1.9%. Yeah. And I reckon this is a a hidden one that's going to have some pretty yucky effect on people's stuff over the next few years. Yeah, you're right. This is big, mate. Yeah, because often, so not everyone would get their refund and use it for repairs. Some of them would go, that's going to pay down my mortgage. You know, effectively the taxpayer were paying down uh, people's mortgages for them of these rental properties. Outstanding Ponzi that they're a part of. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they've they've sought to remove some of those things. But by the end of March 2025, interest deductions for new loans will basically, there, there won't be any deductions for interest. Now... At the moment, it's at 75%, then it stays at 75 then I think it drops to 50 for a couple of years, and then 25 then it drops to zero. Now, that's going to mean that if people are running up losses in their tax returns, like people were thinking, oh, um, I'm going to start, these interest rates are going to keep going down, I'm going to start getting a profit soon because my rent is going up, and my interest is fuck all now, and I can still... It's still an expense, but I'm not able to use the losses. So then they had some small repairs. There's no depreciation anymore. So rental properties were becoming more profitable. But now as rates go the other way, Mm. you're going to see people being like, hmm, I need to make sure that all of my debt is actually under that rental property, but it still doesn't really mean anything Mm. because uh, it's, it's not being used to decrease the tax burden. 
um, because it's not actually claimable as a loss or, or can be applied against it's that income. Crazy, yeah. I just think about like a seven hundred, well, let's say a million dollar mortgage on a on a rental property or or two rentals, um, at seven percent interest rates is seventy thousand dollars a year in interest costs, and you can't put that as an expense on your P and L. That's yeah, that's has an effect, mate. Like yeah. that's different to one point nine percent and nineteen thousand dollars in an expense. Eh? Yeah. Because so. that, that, to get there, it's going to take right through to 2025. But, of course, I think National have said they're going to walk back some of those changes. But they've got to get in first, and they've got a big job to get in. Yeah, they've got a huge job, yeah. Now, if we look at this value of housing stock, which I had on the Instagram this morning, mate, and you've, you'll no doubt be familiar with this, it basically proves what my dad said, that every 10 years the the value of a house would, would double. Um, but... I think it only took seven years once we get towards this pandemic. But this is the value of all housing stock in New Zealand. It's gone vertical, eh? It has gone bloody vertical. You know, you're going to need Josh Coppins from the motocross <laughs> to be able to jump. Uh, <laughs> do you know who Josh Coppins is? No. Nah. Nah, okay, no. Nah, <laughs> Danny Voot days. Um, <laughs> so it's ugly. But obviously what people don't think about, they see, oh, value of housing stock. Like, fuck yeah, great. Houses keep going up. But underneath all of that is the level of debt to be able to buy those houses, right? Correct. Yeah, so if you then had a graph of what total household debt would be, it would probably be... Yeah, like a chunk and, of and if we and you know, you have you have those convos with your dad, and he's like, "Well, I fucking paid ninety percent interest rates on my first mortgage," and but your mortgage was sixty grand. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's quite different now. The mortgages are you know seven hundred, eight hundred million, mm. whatever. Um, and we've just gone from two percent to six percent or whatever. And you know, these mortgages have to be serviced. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that it all comes crashing down. But if you're thinking about buying a house as a speculation that it will go up from here with interest rates increasing, inflation is not under control yet. No. Which means interest rates are not coming down yet. Mm. Then we've got the removal of all of these uh, tax incentives that made it so good for so long. Yeah. All of that's gone. And the effects of the interest deductibility are still to come, I believe. Yep. Um. Like, the odds are stacked against you, housing. Yes. Massively. Um, if you can break through this and double again, I will be very surprised. Oh, yeah. Here we go. From from over the next, you know, mm. 10 years, I don't think it will happen. Um, it doesn't mean that houses can't, like, can't go up over the next 10 years. You know, we, we might have an, an economic crash and then interest rates go to three and everyone levels up, leverages up again and yeah. blah, blah, blah. There's all sorts of things that can happen. Um but like the rules have changed. The rules have changed and the data's changed. Yeah. You know, like we're at house prices are at ten times income. Mm. That's topping out. Like a really nice level is five. So Shit, we're double. Yeah, yeah. Like a you know Stop. America's at like seven or eight times income at the moment and historically their um economic booms are when their housing market is at about four or five times income. So they're topping out too. And what are they at, sorry, at the moment? They're seven at or eight. Oh, yeah. They're at eight. And when wow. when they hit 2008, they're at seven. Ooh. So there's a whole, like all of the data says that you should probably um, stay away from this for a little while if you think it's, you know, if you're if you're looking at this as a 30-year thing, it probably doesn't matter. Nah. They're going to devalue the currency more. We'll trend, rates will trend back down at some point and it'll all be fine. But if you're trying to do something to get rich in the next two years, I'd just say that the data says that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've the, the government's taken all of the good bits away. Interest rates have gone up by like 300% in the last 
year or two. Um, and the it's really hard to get a mortgage now. You know, like we're when we go to the banks, we're getting four or five times household income in terms of borrowing, and it was you know six, seven, eight sure. at one point during the pandemic. So the the amount you can get from the banks to go and buy these houses has has reduced, decreased. Um, yeah. You know, Kiwi Saver deposits are not looking good. They've all come down by twenty percent, so they've got less deposit to go towards it. Mm. Um, like every bit of data I look at, apart from the fact that um, the only thing I think that would change it massively is if a million Kiwis came home. Yeah, but that ain't happening right now either. We're going so the, the other da- way. The data's yeah. against that too. So I just think the data says that yes, go and buy a home if you want a home. If yeah. you want a home and you want to live in it and do it for the right things. It's going to be a great time to buy over the next sort of, you know, six to 12 months because I think it's going to be flat and boring and you've got opportunities there to make offers and negotiate and do all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. In terms of doing it as a speculative investment, just wait. Yeah, speculate on yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good time to be able to try and grow your income instead mm. rather than try and uh, make it out of a, a house flip or something like that. I think this mindset around property will take a long time to change though because for like if, if you look at this graph mate there's 40 years of it working mm. even through a fucking GFC all of that shit if you get out the interest rate chart though from yep. that time it's the other way yeah it's correlated to be the opposite yeah so we're at a different time now we've we've just jacked them the fastest ever in history really but so this is what people need to remember is that when you're learning from your parents and they're like, property, 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 buy property, buy property, you need to get a property, get on the property ladder, they've, they've watched it. It's all been one way for 40 years. Yeah. So they know no different. They, they live, like, why would you go and study, oh, what else could I do mm. when this is guaranteed, you're guaranteed 40 years of Games. success through this Ponzi? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't call it that. Should I not call it that? <laughs> but it is, like, it is, you know? It's yeah. Like, so... You have you have to remind yourself at some stage there's that saying like if everyone's doing something, yeah, maybe so you shouldn't. Zag. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't I don't think it, I mean if if it's a Ponzi then everything's a Ponzi. Oh yeah. But you know that's it's a market and the data and the rules and the regulations around it over the last forty years have been really favourable, and the way that uh, debt has been easier to service year on year with lowering rates one after the other, it all adds up to this happening. Yeah. But now we've got a different set of rules and a different set of data that's coming at us. So mm. um, I just think be careful, that's all. Yeah. Just, you know. And it's a good time to, like, the good thing is that, so these changes that have only really been in place for the last few years, even, even 10 years, say, mm. when we start removing housing, but 2015 start removing interest deductibility, that's only six years of a... 40-year window, but prices have still gone up, so you're like, okay, well, that's not working, but there's a big lag of then people that are coming through going, fuck, I find investing through shares is way more exciting than buying a house. Like, maybe I'll just keep trying to invest, and then if they do that over time, and they think there's a lot of people that believe, like, I'll never own my own home, so then that's, again, decreased demand, and then the a lot of these boomers that have got the properties are going to go, well, I, I had it sweet for 40 years. Like, I had the blueprint. They're going to die. He even inherited a house. People are going to go, no, I don't really need to. Like, oh, cheers um, that. for having three, but fuck, I don't need three. Yeah. I'm a minimalist. <laughs> you know, that, I'm going to sell the two biggest ones. Now I've got plenty of coin. 
here, Craig's Investments, can you get me 4 or 5% return on this and then I'm going to have a sweet life? And, you know, the, again, less demand because, well, less, you know, desire to or obsession with having multiple houses. People are like, oh, fuck, actually, I don't want to have to mow the lawns of two different properties to be a landlord. That sounds like a shit. And there's all this negative perception towards being a landlord as well. Can be. Yeah. The only thing that um, stands true and it will for for the rest of time until we figure out how to build on water is that land is a scarcity. Yeah. So that's it, that makes it, and, and because we have unlimited money and it gets printed and comes out through debt and all this stuff, it will always hold a certain amount of value and people do need somewhere to live. Um, and what because, you're saying is because that... Because land is scarce, it will always hold value and probably continue to rise because you can't build any more land. So your box of sticks is worth fuck all, but your land underneath is worth plenty. Yeah, well, that's the scarce item, right? Yeah. Your box of sticks is not scarce. No. But your neighbour's got one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yours but, might just look a little bit different. But once you get to the from to the top of Cape Reinga and to the bottom of Bluff, there's no land after that. Mm. Sorry, Stuart Island, just a joke. But Oopsies. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't build more of that. So over time, 100% yes, it's going to be fine. And people always have a desire for it because people like, enjoy ownership. I've got cars that I own and I really like it. I really yeah. like that it's mine and no one else can have it. Yeah. That's a natural human instinct. Um, I just, what I'm saying is like the odds are stacked against it as a, at the moment as a financial asset. Mm. And that, you know, that might turn around in six months. Yeah. I don't know. I'll watch it and watch the data. Um, but yeah. 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 I'm not saying don't buy a house and I, like, I mean, I, I enjoy poking fun at it. The, the reason is to try and encourage people to not just believe what they get told or to believe what their parents tell them. Exactly what we've tried to explain to you here is give you through, I'll give you a 25-minute run through the changes of the rules to the game in only 10 years of me being an accountant. Yeah, you know, it's massive. Like, you know, like I said, if I knew what I know now and went back 30 years, I would have been the biggest property mogul in New Zealand because everything was... So good. Yeah. The and next it, time there wasn't these tax incentives for leveraging up on uh, on a main freight stock, you know, no. like there's this mm. was all beautiful. So the next time your parents tell you, Oh, back in my day the interest rate was this or whatever, show them this graph of houses increasing in value over forty percent and say, Mate, why don't you buy three, you fucking idiot? <laughs> <laughs> fuck up you, you know what are you doing you should have brought three or five oh. their whole family should be sweet for life we should be bazillionaires yeah because <laughs> you were given a home run you yeah. were given the bloody lollipop ball to smash out of the park for 40 years actually the other thing that's stacked against landlords and stuff like that a bit is the I think the tenancy rules and stuff are getting stricter I'm not really detailed on it but I know that it's getting harder and you have to have mm. healthy homes warrant of fitnesses and you know all of the stuff these are adding I mean, they're yeah. exp- they're, they are actually taxable yeah. uh, expenses. expenses. Yeah, but, um, you know, like all of these things are coming in and coming in and they're pushing and pushing, pushing people with their limits. Mm. On top of high debt servicing costs, we're already at like, you know, 10 times average income in terms of house value. Like, it's just the data says that it's... Shaky. It doesn't look like it can double from here with the data. Yeah. I don't know how it would. Like, how do we get to 20 times income? Mm. There's nothing there that says we can do that. So... Wait and see, mate. <laughs> we'll probably do yeah, a podcast yeah. in 10 years and be like, look and, at this and, graph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I still won't own and a home. And, <laughs> and, you know, I could be completely wrong and, you know, they do double in 10 years or whatever. But 
Um, and it, this also doesn't mean that the housing market is going to fucking zero. No, no, you know, no. There's, there's, no. there's always a demand for sure. And yeah, people are ringing you. You just said before people are ringing you like crazy to still I'm, buy homes. Right? I'm literally like feeling like there's a bounce back now after last month where it seemed a bit quiet. Yeah. Um, so there's always a demand for people to own their first home, to start a family or whatever, have security, not have fucking your landlord tell you that you can't have a cat or whatever. Yeah. You know, like so. All of these things are in the true values of why you want a home. We just might get to see a bit more of that, I reckon, mm. rather than being like, oh, I made fucking 100 grand last year, you know? Yeah. Because um, I just don't think that margin's in it now, unless you buy really, really good. Yeah, you're smart. There's always a way to make a dollar in anything you do, right? So there'll be the out-and-out property people listening to this being like, you know, this is this is wrong. You, you know, you should be encouraging people to go buy a house because, yeah, there's ways to do it. And there are, you know, some people dedicate 40 hours a week to finding deals to then go and make a yeah. dollar out of flipping them or renovating them and all that sort of shit. And that's a different game. But um, final thing to finish, if we're having higher interest rates and our, we've got our income for renting our property and then we have those expenses, now we have a loss and we put that into our tax return but we can't actually use that to decrease our income, that will get carried forward and it might accumulate accumulate over years because it, you might continue to have a loss. And if you did then trigger those bright line rules, you may be able to use some of that loss to offset the profit that you have made when you sell uh, your property. So check with this your accountant about that. music to the property lover's ears, <laughs> yeah. eh? There's well, I still thought, away. <laughs> if I don't mention that, you know, I'll get four emails. <laughs> oh, you forgot to say about this because that's what my property gurus told me to do. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Uh, I, um, I just, I think, yeah, to finish up, like, if you're buying a property, really think about it and um, let the speculators speculate but do it for the right reasons. And if you're in it for the long game, it's fine regardless. Yeah. Um, and then... Get a good mortgage broker so you have the financial advice to do the right thing. This podcast was brought to you by Guardian Smith for the code on NZ. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs>